The Dirty Maple Leafs take four of four points from the Winnipeg Jets, extending their division lead to a comfortable eight-point cushion. Hello, everyone. My name is Mara Russo, and joining me on episode 11 of the Leafs Line podcast is none other than Aiden McCullough and Michael Iaboni. As always, we have a jam-packed video uh, show, rather, uh, for this one, uh, finally getting to a Saturday night hockey game. We, uh, sort of had to steer away from it last week, but we'll be getting into the Leafs taking down the Jets four to one last night, a dominant victory for this team. And just what does this t- victory mean for the squad in general? There was a lot to get to, a lot to get into and, uh, lots of positives that can come out of this one. And, uh, all this week's talk has been surrounded about the Maple Leafs and, uh, the, the most co- comedic sentiment that I've ever heard is, are they considered a dirty team? Uh, fines, suspensions, and some kind of questionable hits have led people to believe this. But from us, uh, coming from a Leafs fan who's been a fan for about 16 years or so, quite a while, and seen quite a lot of things, quite a lot of spectacular things, I can put this one to bed and laugh until I die. This is one of the most hilarious things I've ever heard, but we'll get into that. And we'll get into the Maple Leafs goaltending situation. Again, it's always reoccurring on our show. It's either good or really bad. This case it's in the middle. I mean, we got David Riddish, who's looked ugly in a Maple Leafs uniform. I don't think the colors are working for him. I don't think it's suiting him either. He's uh, hasn't been able to make a save. Big save Dave has been nothing but. And uh, Jack Campbell, after a horrific stretch of games last week, uh, he's 2-0 this week. But uh, one thing to question from him is the goals he's letting in. And is it a cause for concern going down the stretch? Uh, a lot of saves he could have had, but he's really missed on those ones. Uh, we'll get into how this impacts his game and what this means for the Leafs down this final two, three-week stretch of games. And Nick Foligno making an impact fast. A short sample size, mind you, but a point-per-game Leaf. Uh, not too many Leafs that can say that uh, on the bottom. The top six with, uh, right now, now with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. Uh, what, we'll get into what he has brought for this team and what he can continue to be bringing with this team uh, and injuries. We sent, he hinted in it last show. And uh, like I listened to Aiden's uh, fantasy rankings, God and uh, the hockey gods have listened to this statement. Uh, injuries are coming in bunches when it rains and pours for the Maple Leafs. Bogosian out for four weeks. Hyman gone for an extra two. Uh, what has gone wrong for the Leafs and who the Leafs have uh called upon and have stepped up that's what we'll be getting into in this one and uh what guys are yet to be stepping up and who can we see going forward and are the montreal canadians in trouble i love dissing the montreal canadians and it just keeps getting better now uh they're they've been sitting fourth place in the division for quite a while i can't remember the last time they were ahead possibly the first two weeks of the season when they were holding onto that first place team, but they dropped back-to-back games, vital games against the Calgary Flames who have been red hot, no pun intended, but uh, they're streaking right now. And what does this mean for the Canadians in their playoff race that turns from a playoff security to a playoff? uh, They're in trouble here. Uh, And the wild red hot, they're the third team to clinch a playoff spot. Leading the way is Kaprizov, Krill the thrill. Uh, He's head and shoulders over the rookie competition. And uh, with this seven-game win streak, we'll get into who's responsible for all these uh, all these victories and uh, what this what the, the play of the Wild can mean come playoff time and what kind of team they strive to be. And uh, making its second uh, response on this show, heading west is the start bench cut segment. We'll get into the Colorado Avalanche edition and uh, tackle who we'd rather like to see in let's say game one of a playoff series. 
And uh, let's be honest here. Uh, there's not a, there's not too many guys you want to bench or cut on this team, but we're going to have to make the tough decision. And as always, we will guarantee you our hot take segment. And of course, with the dwindling weeks of the season, a what he has of his fantasy rankings for this upcoming week, which for majority is playoff weeks, the second round of the playoff weeks, that is, uh, for fantasy hockey. But to kick the show off, we'll get into the Leafs-Winnipeg Jets game. Leafs taking down the Jets 4-1 to in a dominant identity-streaking game. Uh, we saw a lot of scrums and back-and-forth battles between Leafs and Jets players respectfully. And uh, what I noticed, and I think what a lot of other people can agree with me on, the Maple Leafs were just sticking up for one another and not taking poop from anyone. And this is something, obviously, they're getting ready for playoff hockey. Uh, it's becoming more of a something to look forward to, obviously, and uh, something that's coming quick. It's right around the corner. It already feels like that time of year, uh, as we've seen in years past. We'd already be maybe a second round into the playoffs. But uh, it's definitely coming fast, and the Leafs are getting right to it. Uh, in this one, they dug themselves in a hole early, with Nikolai Ehlers breaking the scoreless deadlock. And uh, this we we did think, especially me, this the game would follow suit of the last game between these two teams, when both teams combined for five goals in the first frame. Uh, Joe Thornton evened up the scoring with a historic marker for himself, becoming the oldest player to record a goal in in a Leafs uniform, coming in at 41 years, 296 days old. Uh, we all remember Mitch Marner's first goal as a Leaf against the Bruins uh, on Hockey Night in Canada, in the home opener, might I add. And I think we will all remember Marner's 100th career marker, beating Hellebuck off an unlucky bounce for Hellebuck, a lucky bounce for Maple Leafs and Maple Leafs fans alike, uh, courtesy of the Bell MTS stanchion. And this put the Leafs quickly up 2-1. to one. And uh, Captain John Tavares capped off a dominant second frame with a 4-on-4 tally for his 16th point in his last 11 games. He's been red hot to say the least, and the captain is finally stepping up and showing what he has done with the New York Islers in the past. Uh, and uh, he put the Leafs up 3-1. to one. And, of course, it wouldn't be a Maple Leafs victory with an empty net. Kerfoot tucking home an empty netter, and the Leafs picking up four major points in Winnipeg. Uh, not too many dangerous scoring chances for the Jets, known as uh, one of the more opportunistic teams in this league, didn't capitalize on any of their chances at all in this one. Uh, the second period was the greatest buzzkill for this squad. Uh they were outshot 18-6 to six and gave up a 4-on-4 odd man rush goal. And uh, this led a lot to uh, what I don't think anyone could have predicted or would have predicted in this one. Uh, Mark Shifley getting benched by uh, Paul Not something we typically see from the Jets bench boss. And uh, in response to play from Mark Shifley, obviously, if you look into the game tape, he uh, the, the, the odd man rush was a lot to do with his play and sort of his laziness. And this... I think it was a tactic by Maurice to sort of spark a fire under his guys, saying, guys, listen, uh, I'm, I'm, we're benching one of the bigger guys here, uh, one of the guys who's used to carrying the load. we got to see how you guys respond and how you guys take ownership for this benching. And the Jets flat out didn't get to it. Uh, we saw a lot of physicality from Joe Thorne, Wayne Simmons, and out of all places, out of left-right field, Rasmus Sandin uh, with a solid uh, hit on Blake Wheeler to uh, – Really set the tone in this one. Uh, it's been uh, he's been spectacular with his call up with the big squad. Uh, I don't know if this hit was clean or dirty, so to say, but uh, definitely hurt a guy like uh, Blake Wheeler, who's already been out a week earlier uh, with concussions and uh, those kind of symptoms. But the uh, Maple Leafs 
have a solid eight-point cushion come out of the Jets, uh, Winnipeg rather, with uh, another four points, holding an eight-point cushion over the second-place Jets. And I'm going to ask you guys this question. Are the Leafs, in your opinion, out of the woods just yet? Or is there still some aspect of their game that could potentially swing the boat back around, if you will, for this team and maybe put them back a few steps, as we've typically seen in the uh, past few weeks or so? I'm going to start with you, Aiden. Do you think this uh, eight-point lead is enough for this Maple Leaf squad? I think it's definitely enough. I really like the way the Leafs are playing right now. I wouldn't say they're head and shoulders above everyone else just yet. They still have some minor inconsistencies, some things they still need to touch up before the end of the season. Uh, obviously, the power play has been a struggle since uh, early on in the season. But they've been starting to get that more on. And other than that, I think really just the defensive lapses, where the, whether that's uh, – bad passes in the defensive zone, uh, puck watching, um, anything like that. I think they just have to fix that up. I think the offense has been firing recently. Just just to see a team that can have success without any success on the power play, it's obviously showing that your team is amazing five on five. So if they were to get that power play going even, even better, I think that would just add another level to how deadly this team can be. Yeah, and the power play looked really good uh, in last night's contest. Uh, they did 4 or for 3. However, they had, I think, 13 shots on Jack, uh, sorry, uh, Connor Hellebuck. And uh, they were all high-danger chances. And this is what we uh, have seen in the past, especially at the start of this season with the Maple Leafs. And it's something they're going to need uh, if they want to go on this deep playoff run come, uh, come the playoff time. And I think it's going to be one of the biggest uh, threats they have against the Canadian division competition in respect to the, well, not so likely candidates now with a week after, but the Montreal Canadiens, obviously their power play isn't as good. Their penalty kill isn't their most strongest suit, but uh, the least power play has to be firing on all cylinders if they're just going to go run over the uh, Montreal Canadiens. But another thing that I uh, also think that I also agree with you that this isn't uh, nearly enough and that the Leafs aren't done yet. Obviously, there's still, I believe, eight, ten games left to play. Uh, the Maple Leafs have really relied on what they've always relied in years past, outscoring their teams. You look at all these their wins, uh, high-scoring games. Uh, obviously, this one a more dominant victory, 4-1. to one. But you look at the other uh, five-goal first-period bonanza uh, in last Thursday's game. Uh, the, this is something that can't last, and it will not last come playoff time. You're not going to see these high-scoring games. And it feels like uh, a flash in the pan, which it really was. And such a long time ago, when the Leafs shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl, in that uh, set against the Jet, uh, the Edmonton, and uh, it's it's just this, this is a thing that the Leafs need to get back onto. And if they can continuously find good goaltending, making big saves, Jack Campbell has looked a little bit better, better, but uh, still giving up big rebounds and not really making the saves he should have. Obviously, he had a good game last night, but the the game before just simply hasn't been there for the Maple Leafs. But if they can get the goaltending going, and the biggest thing of all, how the defense can react to the absence of a valuable piece like Zach Bogosian. We might see Ben Hutton thrown into the mix. He's capitalizing on his time here and is really making an impact, so to speak, uh, physically and on the score sheet as well. But uh, I'm going to turn this one over to you, Iboni. Do you think the Maple Leafs are out of the woods just yet? Are they, uh, I wouldn't say head and shoulders over the competition, but do they have enough space right now with that eight-point eight cushion to uh, kind of put this one to bed and say they're not moving down a place? Yeah, I think they're definitely not going to move down a place. Uh, I think they're going to clinch that number one spot. They're going to get their playoff spot soon. Uh, they're going to be number one. Like, the only thing that they 
really need to work on and throughout the season has been very evident is their consistency. Uh, they would go on a 10-game winning streak and then a five-game losing streak like the next week, which is unfortunate. But you need to learn from those relapses in the regular season and learn how to make sure that you don't lose those week the a, a week of games after you just won a string of 10. Uh, that just can't happen in the playoffs because if you lose a week in, in a playoffs, you're losing the series. You're probably going to be down 3-0 or maybe even be swept in a 4-0 series. So they need to make sure that they have their consistency up because it's been a struggle all season long as they've been up and down and up and down and just haven't really found uh, a hot streak to ride on and continually ride on as their relapse falls to kind of level out their playing field. Uh, I also like the point that you made that they're also heavily relying on their goal scoring as they have the fifth most goals for in the entire NHL. Uh, they have a fairly good uh, goals against average, though. Sorry, goals against in comparison to the rest of the league, which is pretty impressive. So their defensive game has definitely improved since last year, but you can't rely on winning games just by outscoring your opponent. So you just want to need to make sure that your defense game is there when a defensive game is uh, occurring. Yeah, and you mentioned the consistency around this team how it's, and how it's going to be so important, not only down the stretch, but more so. Uh, the Leafs, you nailed it on the head. Uh, they're a streaky team. And there's so many teams in this league, uh, amid the ones that kind of already clinched the playoffs, who've always had this consistency. You look at the Vegas Golden Knights right now. I think their winners are nine straight right now. You don't see the Vegas Golden Knights dropping another four or five straight. They're always win, 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 loss, win, 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 loss, loss. Win. Like they're always, it's it's always close, right? Uh, the Maple Leafs, if this, uh, you you have to find consistency by, uh, I think it's what, May 18th or something like that, the final day of the regular season. You need to be in a consistent groove there. That's the biggest uh, thing that I'm going to take out of this season. The Leafs need to be consistent at the right time. Because uh, regular season means nothing, guys, if uh, the Maple Leafs don't do anything in the playoffs and get a first-round exit. And uh, we're going to get into this show, this uh, topic of the offseason, hopefully much, much this line uh, series but uh, it wouldn't be looking too good in the offseason paper books here with uh, Kyle Dubis, maybe even Sheldon Kiefer, even one of the top four guys, if they don't get any consistency come playoff time. But what has been consistent is the talks about the Leafs being considered, and <laughs> this one's a funny one, but being a dirty team. Uh, Paul Maurice, the Jets coach, the opposition's coach, even dismissed this saying, yeah, they're not dirty, guys. Uh, I don't know what you're really talking about. And, I mean, if you look at it this way from an outside point of view, obviously – we're kind of biased here, release fans here. Uh, maybe not Aiden as much, but uh, suspensions and fines were playing a big uh, role in the questioning of the Leafs' play and if they're clean or dirty and kind of tiptoeing that line, so to speak. And uh, it took 48 games to grab this identity as they uh, get ready themselves for the playoffs. And uh, you can credit this a lot to Dubas's acquisitions in October. Uh, his goal was clearly to gain toughness, right? He brought in guys like uh, Wayne Simmons, uh, Joe Thornton, who was maybe a little brought in for his playoff experience, but still provided like we've seen now, and it's kicking in more and more. And even Keith credited it. Uh, he's getting more tougher. He's, he's kind of turned a dial, so to speak, uh, and has been a much more physical presence. Obviously, his goal scoring hasn't been there. Uh, he's only had two points in his last 15, but he has recently been in the middle of every altercation. Uh, and you look at a guy like Wayne Simmons, he's also been in the middle of it. Uh, ironically and weird enough, Rasmus Sandin, obviously looking at as recent as last game, he's been in the middle of it. But uh, the Leafs aren't taking anything from anyone, and they're just sticking up for each other. And this is a very, very important thing that we need to take into consideration about this team. They've been uh, manhandled, I think that's the best word to say it, 
uh, in most of the, the regular season and uh, most noticeably come playoff time. We've seen it every single playoff series against the Boston Bruins. As much as I don't want to talk about it, it's right there. We're always uh, sort of uh, readying ourselves to complain to the TV. Why aren't the refs calling this? Uh, this new set of rules and the new rule book they pull out for the, the uh, playoffs. It, we always complain about what the officiating is doing when in reality guys should be stepping up for themselves. And we looked at this and stepping up rightfully so. And why I say this is because if you look a couple years ago, uh, Nazem Kadri, right? He, uh, he wanted to be tough in the playoffs. That was his main goal. Uh, he even said it when press conferences and such. And uh, he ended up being a little too tough, a little bit dirty, I'd say, and uh, got himself a suspension for that series. He was wiped and done. And uh, the Leafs washed their hands from him and made that ugly, ugly trade that just hasn't aged well, like many things on this podcast. Uh, where we got Tyson Berry and traded him to Edmonton, and now he's a superstar in Edmonton. But, uh, yeah, the Leafs are getting tough, and this is the most opportune time to get so. Uh, they're, they're just taking a number of penalties uh, for post-whistle scrums, uh, goalie scrums, that is. And I, that's nothing to complain about. They've taken about four or five, and they've killed off every single one. That's a huge confidence booster for this team. Uh, and Keefe obviously mentioned turning the dial up in respect to Thornton's physical play. Uh, like I said, he only has two points in his last 15, but has recently been right in the middle of every scrum. Uh, last night was a statement win for this team. We witnessed a style of play the least fans have rarely seen in the past decades or so. And uh, like I said before, they're just readying themselves for the playoffs uh, and about the rule book in uh, the playoffs and what the, the, the officiating is not as uh, not as fragile. It's always you're not going to get as many calls as you typically would in a regular season game. I think we can all agree on that. But instead of sulking and complaining at the calls, the Leafs are finally taking action and taking things into their own hands. Uh, they're sticking up for each other. We saw this with Simmons for John Tavares when, he, when I think it was Perot, Ehler, someone like that took a uh, na- uh, yeah Perot took a nasty hit on JT into the boards, and uh, Simmons gave him a nice whack on the uh, on the shoulder there. Uh, and Thornton to Ehler, Thornton. I mean, I don't really wish on this for Thornton here, but uh, really, he breaks his stick, slashing Nikolai Ehler, goes to the bench, gets another stick, and then breaks or sorry hits. Uh, Eulers with that stick as well and gets a penalty but uh, that upset the Jets and this is something that the Leafs have to work on getting under people's skin but with the identity of this team now thrown in the blender and I'm going to start with you Iboni for this one do you think the Leafs are becoming a more opportune and tough squad to play against or have they just been playing dirty hockey respect to the hits fines etc so I'm kind of asking you do you think the Leafs are playing a little more clean or uh, are are you going to agree with the uh, vast minority here are they a dirty hockey franchise uh, as much as I'd like to agree with the minority, uh, I have to agree with the facts. As Wayne Simmons said it, we're just standing up for ourselves. Uh, if they're going to come after your team, you have to go after their team. And really, you can be a clean hockey team, but still have some dirty games, man. Like, as long as you're battling, and both teams are battling, as they were in this game, uh, both teams were physical, both teams were aggressive in the corners, uh, getting at each other, slashing was very, very prevalent. And, I mean, they're not a dirty team at all. Like, even with the acquisitions of Simmons, Felino, and all the other guys, they're not a dirty team. But they can play a dirty game, which is completely different. They're two different things. And, really, sticking up for your guys is crucial in this league. And, as a Leafs fan, I'm very, very happy that we have this opportunity to be able to stand up for ourselves. Because I don't want to be that little wimpy team that doesn't do anything. And, oh, you can go and hit my goalie. I don't want to, like, get into a fight, take a five-minute major. That's not me. Uh, I want to get that fight. As bad as it sounds and as um, aggressive as it sounds, I don't mean any harm on anyone, but you got to protect yourself and your team because you want to win games and uh, inevitably 
standing up for yourselves and wearing down the other team wins you hockey games. Yeah, and for all the uh, non-Leafs fans that might be listening to this podcast, uh, the Maple Leafs, not dirty. They're not the Broad Street bullies either. They're not uh, going around hitting everybody and winning playoff series and Stanley Cups uh, through just physicality as that was more of a sort of an era that has really, really gone and passed. But the, the Maple Leafs are just giving what they're getting getting back. I mean, like uh, they're just being really opportune with their hits uh, and they're getting under the opponent's skin. Now, obviously, this is a Winnipeg Jets team. Very, very skilled team up front on the offensive side and the defensive side. And really, on some nights, really rely on their goaltending as well. Uh, they're not known for their physical play, but they uh, have that. They're, they're like... They're the most opportunistic team, I'd say, in this Canadian division. They really capitalize on all their opportunities. And uh, I think they really failed for last night's game and the game before, capitalizing on these uh, these tough opportunities, these opportunities to get into scrums and sort of uh, swing your momentum the other way. Now, if you look at the two penalties that were called last game, Saturday night's game, uh, I think it was for the Leafs, uh, Joe Thornton and I want to say Wayne Simmons. And who went to the box for the Jets was Nikolai Ehlers and I think Kyle Connor. So uh, that's a pretty fair, that's a pretty good leaves trading away uh, your two bottom six guys in the box for their two top six guys in the box. So that's definitely a statement in regards to getting under your team's skin. And that's something the Maple Leafs need come playoff time, uh, especially come playoff time. I'm going to turn this one over to you, Aiden. Do you think the Maple Leafs are a dirty team with the way they've been playing? Or are they just as clean as it can be and really just doing what they have to do and giving the Jets, and maybe other teams in general, uh, what they've been receiving. Well, I just want to start off by saying uh, through this year, and uh, we have and other people have been describing the Leafs as a lot of things. They've had goaltending problems. They've had defensive problems. They've been known to, like we've been saying recently, winning games using their offense. But no one's really said they're a dirty team. I mean, if you look at a dirty team, how do you even define that? A team that's going for head hunting, looking to injure guys with their hits, just throwing the body whenever they can. And I don't really think that's what the Leafs are doing here. I think they've been playing more physical this year, definitely. They're finishing their checks on the boards, and it's helping them win more of their games. But I think this is really just, uh, like you guys both said, just sticking up for their players. I think uh, Wayne Simmons said it in the interview, and I think you brought it up too, Iboni, that Basically, the penalty he took was sticking up for Jack Campbell. I mean, if you're a team going, uh, thinking of going deep into the playoffs, you're definitely not going to be want to be known as a pushover. You definitely going to want to uh, stick up for your guys. And as long as uh, both guys are going to the penalty box, if you're taking a guy with you, I personally have no problem with that, especially if it's a guy who's as talented as Ehlers or Connor, like you said. Yeah, and I kind of want to meet the guy who kind of started uh, this talk about the Leafs being dirty and kind of give him my kind of version of a knuckle sandwich. Because uh, quite frankly, I don't know if you can you name me, I'm going to ask you, Iboni, can you name me one team in this league that's a dirty team? Um, Out flat dirty team. That's a tough question. I don't think that there is like a specifically dirty team, but there are teams that definitely have more aggression than other teams and use it uh, in non-offensive ways where they use it more as um, an I'm going to hit you because I want to wear your team down instead of I'm going to hit you because I want the puck and I want to score, if that makes any sense. But 
Uh, and that team that that team that I'm thinking of is the Washington Capitals. But I'm not saying they're a dirty team. They are gritty. They're not dirty. Yeah, you look at That's the Washington the only- Capitals yeah. resume. Uh, you'll find a nice big Stanley Cup in the middle of uh, this last couple of years. And what reason why? They're a gritty team. They don't take anything from anyone. And Tom Wilson. Whether you want to debate, I think personally he's a little bit of a dirty player. But uh, that is one player doesn't make a whole team, right? Like there's a bunch of dirty players in this league. None of the teams are necessarily dirty. And I think this this term "dirty" is just a very loosely being thrown around towards any franchise. And obviously now the spotlight's on the Maple Leafs. I, you want to go look at dirty? Go watch guys in the '70s, the '60s, throwing their uh, jabbing their the butt end of their stick in guys' faces. That's kind of dirty. Uh, slew footing into the corner. That's pretty dirty. And it's when guys lines one through four do it. So uh, the term dirty definitely doesn't apply here. I obviously laugh at it because it's just, you wouldn't ever expect it to be said with the maple. But uh, Aiden, can you name me a dirty team in this league? Because I, I can't, definitely not. Uh, I was thinking the same thing as Iboni. Probably the dirtiest team would be the Caps. But not even really a dirty team, they're more of a gritty team. Like you said, they throw the body around. And Tom Wilson is a guy who, yeah, I'd say he's pretty dirty. He's gotten his fair amount of suspensions during his career. So obviously, if you're getting repercussions for the hits, you got to be doing something wrong. But I think I totally agree with what you said. You can't make a whole team from one guy. I think there's a bunch of dirty guys in the league, but that doesn't make the whole team dirty. I think all the team is made up. You can't really have a successful, completely dirty team or completely gritty team because in order to make a successful hockey team like the Maple Leafs are trying to do now, you have to have guys that complement each other. And if you had a whole team of gritty guys, then who would be scoring all the goals? Who would be playing uh, great defensively? You you have to have guys that complement each other in order to win. Yeah, and if you want to go watch a full team of no skill and full grit, go back to the 70s and look up some uh, Philadelphia Flyers uh, hockey tapes because you'll definitely find a guy full a team full of dirty players with no skill and they won a cup so it has been proven that they can win a cup but it, with the way this game is being played dirty teams just don't win Stanley clean Stanley Cups so I'm going to move on to this from this topic because I feel like we've been on this one for a while here and we're going to make our way to the goaltending situation that just always seems to make its way on every single episode of this show uh, no matter which way you slice it or dice it uh, Jack Campbell has rode the hot wave that is the Maple Leafs offense. Obviously, we mentioned uh, earlier, Maple Leafs have been outscoring their teams and relying a lot on their scoring touch over the past few weeks or so. Uh, this week, Jack Campbell, 2-0, four goals against 30 uh, uh, and 25 saves respectfully against the Jets. Uh, it's not the numbers that has been the outlying issue for me in respect to Jack Campbell, but it's the kind of goals that are going in, and I think we can all agree on this here. He's uh he's been performing. He's been getting the job done. But uh, I don't think in the playoffs getting the job done is good enough. Uh, he's looked like a deer in the headlights, I'd say, all of last week. Uh, this week, he's getting slightly more confident in goal, still having a lot of rebound control, but has certainly outdueled former Vezina winner Connor Halbuck in this miniseries, who allowed six goals in two contests. Definitely a pair of uh, games to forget for Helly. But uh, hoping, we're hoping that Jack Campbell can stay healthy and find his groove down this last few weeks of the games, uh, David Riddich is not even an option uh, and should not be an option for the Maple Leafs. Uh, who, he should not be an option they should consider for the Maple Leafs uh, come the postseason after an ugly two weeks with the squad. Now, uh, he was acquired by the Leafs uh, trade deadline, made his way very quickly, obviously being in the Canadian division, 
avoiding all the quarantine and such. Uh, he made his start right away. The next day, actually, against his former squad, uh, the Calgary Flames. Right now, he owns an 0-2-1 record. Again, uh, has 10 goals against, including five that came against the Canucks in this goose egg they called of a game. Uh, I believe it was Monday night. But uh, big save, Dave. I don't know if he hasn't made one big stop at all with the Maple Leafs and is losing his tandem-like ability with each goal he allows, most of them being easily stoppable for the uh, veteran. Uh, prior to the Jets series and even throughout, defending was a main issue highlighted by Keith, who needed a big save from his starters here and there. Uh, two wins in a pair of large games is nothing to sulk about, but the recent play of Campbell has really raised some eyebrows from not just myself, but a lot of these fans in general. He has shown he can rebound mid-game after settling down in both starts in which uh, the team surrendered a series of goals. Obviously, the, the game uh, kind of went sideways to start last night uh, when they went down early in the first 30 seconds, one to nothing. And uh, the game before against the Jets, when it was just five goals in the first period, they were up to nothing and then were quickly. It was 3-2 or it was tied up at 2-2, but they allowed a lot of goals in a quick uh, manner. Uh, so we, Campbell's definitely shown that he can rebound mid-game. But I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to start with you, Aiden. What is your level of concern with this Maple Leafs goaltending uh, situation and the Leafs goaltenders at the moment? And uh, how much has this past week of games attest to the readiness of goaltending uh, come the postseason and how important it should be? So kind of how uh, has this past week of games proved that goaltending is a must-have come playoff time? Uh, I just want to start off by talking about uh, the two goalies here. I think... Campbell's starting to find his game again after his cold stretch. I think he's finally recognizing that as a starter, you can't be really too hard on yourself, which we know, which he has known to be in the past. I think it's all about riding the wave as a starter when your team is playing good and when your team is playing bad. You can't be too down on just yourself. Your team is a whole, so you win as a team and you lose as a team. I think the main thing is he's actually giving the team a chance to win by making the saves when it counts. And I think that's really all that you can ask from him or from any goaltender for that matter. Uh, for David Riddick, he has looked not so great against the Flames, but I thought he really, really struggled against the Canucks. He was just not reading the shots well, and I think his rebound control was just pretty iffy as well. I would only become really concerned in terms of the goaltender situation, though, if Campbell falls back to the playoffs, because then the question becomes, who is your reliable starter? Because Campbell has been inconsistent recently. Riddick really hasn't shown that he can be a reliable goaltender on this team. And we all know Freddie, we don't even know when he's going to be back. So, Yeah, and it would, be, uh, it would not be a fun time at all if we saw David Riddick uh, having his name scratched as the uh, starter for the opening game of uh, the playoffs, a game round one of the playoff series likely to be against the fourth place team in this division. And uh, I'm hoping that it doesn't happen for this Maple Leafs team because David Riddish has just been ugly and has really lost his respect as a starting goaltender. I think now he's sort of reserved his name as a backup and it could be moving down quite fast with another bad start uh, for him. He could be the third string goalie because Michael Hutchison, he's been really bad. But uh, if David Riddish continues this stretch and posts another goose egg, uh, I don't think David uh, Michael Hutchison is that bad. But uh, I'm going to move this one over to you, Iboni. Is there uh, a cause for concern for this goaltending situation? Obviously, obviously, it's making headlines on this podcast uh, coming up every single week. <clears throat> but uh, with the least goaltending at the moment, how much has this past week of games uh, really attest to the readiness that goaltending means come playoff time? 
Uh, it was definitely a little bit uh, worrying. I, it's up and down, man. Like, the, they ride their hot streaks like it's like nothing, man. Like they go up and down, and it's just like there's no consistency. And that's going on to what I was saying before. Like the team as a whole is inconsistent, but the goalies in particular are inconsistent all season long. Uh, I just want to see. Uh, hopefully, Campbell Campbell can take this next game. They have two games, uh, two days off um, after today, and then they go into uh, Mon- I think it's into Montreal. Doesn't matter, but um, I- I'd like to see Campbell start that Montreal game and then give Riddick those two games against Vancouver to uh, rebound himself. And I'd like to see it from there how he can adjust to his game against the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Uh, and that tying into what Aiden said in that Vancouver Canucks game, his positioning was even off. Like there was one goal that slid underneath his pad because he didn't have his pad quite on the ice. And it's just something that you really don't want to see from a third string goaltender, but he's acting as a second string goaltender as of right now, which is crucial for him and the Leafs as a whole, because he needs to make that save. Uh, you're not going to win games if you're letting goals in like that. It's like my- Michael Hutchinson last year, that bad, like that, kind of quality in a goaltender is not going to win you games. Uh, I don't think the worry level is all that high, though, only because there's only eight eight games left. I think it's eight games left uh, in this um, Leafs season. And if Jack Campbell is starting half of them, I'm not concerned. Even if he's starting a little bit less than half, give Riddick some time. Jack may be, may be injured. I don't know. Uh, give him a little bit of time to cool off and heal. However they decide to go about it, they're two solid goaltenders. End of the day, they're two solid goaltenders. They might be off stride a little bit right now, but they're going to bounce back. They're awesome goaltenders, and they have a good team in front of them. So I, I'm not overly concerned about uh, the play of the goaltenders, as they have been decent in the last two games, which is good promise for the Leafs fans and the uh, organization as a whole. Yeah, and if you think we we talk about goaltending uh, a lot already on this show, uh, get ready for next week and maybe the week after that to come. And uh, the goaltending talks is going to be hopefully shorter, but it could potentially be a lot longer in this show because uh, you mentioned next week it's going to be a very big week uh, heading into the playoffs, the final week before the playoffs, that is, uh, and seeing who's going to be the number one starter going into game one of the preliminary playoff series. Uh, I, I, I just want to ask you, Iboni, where's Freddie? Uh, Freddie is on LTIR and he's not going to be back until the playoffs. All right. Um, so uh, go on. Tie back, in, tie back into my hot take. Uh, he's, I don't think he's coming back. There's eight games left in the season. Uh, we did mention it earlier in the other ones. I think it's peep episode nine. Go, go look at episode nine. Um, where we also discussed how Freddie Anderson, well, I discussed personally, like me stating how Freddie Anderson is not probably not going to start the first game in the playoffs. Uh, if, if the Leafs manage to lose the first game in the playoffs, whether it's Riddick or Campbell, I think it's going to be Campbell. Uh, if they lose that game, you give it to Freddie if he's healthy. If he's not healthy, don't give it to Freddie. Maybe give another game to Jack. But then if he loses that game and you go down 0-2, you give that net to Riddick if Freddie is not healthy. Um, I don't think I'm, – I'm hearing a lot of rumors – and I don't think that Freddie's going to be back come playoff times. But I'm also hearing rumors that he's going to be back in the next three days. But there's, it's hard because there's rumors against and for, and I've heard an equal amount of both. 
I don't think he's going to be back this regular season, nor do I think they should bring him back this regular season because there's eight games left. Uh, you want to run with your guys. And your two guys have been decent. And you don't want to push Freddie into a situation where he's going to fail. You want to have Freddie healthy, fully healthy, ride those eight games out with your two goaltenders. Make sure he is healthy because I'm telling you, healthy Freddie is a good Freddie. We miss our old Freddie from last year, and we want him back. Hopefully, this very well-needed rest can uh, bump him up whenever he uh, decides to come off of that LTIR. And a healthy Freddy is a good Freddy, and a good Freddy is a happy Leafs nation. And uh, I love that you peeped the uh, hot take. Uh, hopefully we can get a little more of that. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a really, really vital stretch of uh, weeks uh, for this Maple Leafs team and the goaltending situation. Uh, I, I didn't ever hear those rumors about Freddy coming in the next three days. But uh, if, if so, he's going to have to be removed from LTIR. And it wouldn't be that bad of an option maybe you get him ready a bit for playoff time but uh, you're gonna have to have a lot of Dubas's guys uh, moving a lot of money around to make this one work obviously they use a lot of their LTIR space to uh, get Nick Felino to get uh, get over to this side of the country but uh, yeah it's gonna be you, you mentioned and this is gonna be the, my final thing about the goaltending here in Toronto right now you mentioned uh, Iboni in the uh, I think it was last episode or the episode before but you mentioned riding the hot hand come playoff time. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing for this Maple Leafs team. Uh, who's going to be hot at the right time? If neither guys are hot, this Maple Leafs team is in deep, deep trouble. Uh, but I'm assuming, and I think it's for the way things are looking right now, I think one of them is going to be hot. And if it's David Riddich, so be it. You're going to be starting David Riddich game one. If it's Jack Campbell, so be it. You're starting Jack Campbell game one. If it's uh, if the rumors are going to be true and Anderson's coming in the next few days and he gets on a hot streak and he's healthy, Freddie starts game one. So I think it's going to be going back to what you said in the week past, uh, who's hot at the right time. And I think that's going to dictate who's going to be tending the goal for not just the postseason, but uh, down this next couple of games, this final stretch of games as well. But moving on, uh, Nick Felino, Guys, he's a point-per-game Maple Leaf, so we've got to give him credit for that. He is playing on the first team, the team's first unit with uh, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. So I'd hope that uh, with a player of Felino's skill set, You'd be a point per game Maple Leaf too, but uh, what we—it's been a really short sample size. But uh, what we witnessed from Nick Foligno is his toughness, and it's more than evident on the ice. He's really sparked the guys around him because since he's arrived here, uh, we've kind of referred to, like we said before, the Leafs as a dirty team. So uh, he's brought in a lot of new opinions and uh, beliefs that I think all Leafs fans would like to would uh, appreciate getting. And the guys have really rallied around him, and he is shaping up to be the perfect storyline for this Maple Leafs team. Uh, his father played for the Leafs, I believe, in 93. Uh, he's now returning, or not returning, rather, but uh, the family name is returning to Toronto. He uh, wore his father's cap, his baseball cap, uh, for this first press conference with the Maple Leafs. So uh, it's definitely shaping up to be a great story in Toronto. And if he can get it done in the playoffs, uh, it would be an even better, really a bow on uh, his career as an NHL player in general. Uh, but I'm going to start with you, Iboni, here. Uh, what can you make of Nick Foligno's quick impact with the club? And obviously, short sample size here, but how has his play in a blue and white uniform really shaped uh, his role come now and his role to become uh, in the playoffs? Well, starting right off the bat, his two points in two games, his two apples, uh, him being a humble player, which is really, really um, good to see from a veteran. 
he had an opportunity to score his first goal on an empty netter. Uh, he decided not to, only because he wanted to be humble. He wanted to give the team, um, like he, he knew he was getting his first NHL, his first point as a Leaf. So he didn't care about himself. He wanted the team to score. And from the angle that he was at during that uh, period, he could have shot it on goal and he might have scored it, but it was a tough angle. And he decided to be humble and say, I, I don't care if I get this goal or not. I want the team to score. He passes it to Mitch. Mitch scores the empty netter. The humbleness is huge, and it's going to play a huge role in the locker room and on the ice. Uh, his toughness definitely huge. He's been hitting a little rough around the edges, which is really nice to see. Definitely heard uh, and saw that from when he was in Columbus. And it's nice to have that player on your team because you definitely don't want to play against that player. Uh, not extremely quick, but he, he knows where to go with the puck, which is amazing. Uh, pretty good passer so far. He's got his two apples in his two games. Obviously, he's making some plays. He's getting involved. And it's really going to be crucial for the Leafs because that top six player, which we've been looking for for quite some time, uh, is crucial. And it's another Zach Hyman-esque player uh, arising, potentially. Um, but he's definitely working on that line. And hopefully, it'll also drive the power play a little bit more. Uh, it's driven the power play a little bit. It's gotten a couple points, but I don't know if it's – um, just because of Felino's play per se, but maybe it's just his uh, moral support that's driving the power play, which is nice to hear. Uh, crucial in the playoffs because you really need that tough player uh, in addition to all of the other Leafs players that are tough in the playoffs in order to grind out that series win. And that's, where we're gonna, that's where we're going to see if Dubis makes his bottom dollar and really hit with his uh, pickup and signing uh, his trade, rather, of uh, Nick Foligno. Now, Aiden, I want to ask you this question here. Uh, following the same question I asked Iboni, but I'm going to add something, a little twist to it here. Uh, where do you think uh, where do you think Foligno's going to play uh, come the next week or so and the playoffs? Because, uh, obviously, Hyman, we're going to get into this next topic here, but uh, Hyman out two weeks uh, with his uh, brain MCL, or something in the knee, rather. And uh, he was usually the line mate with uh, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And uh, Joe Thor, I mean, sorry, uh, Nick Foligno has looked really good on that first uh, line with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. And many people do look uh, good on that first line with those two players. But uh, do you think Nick Foligno is going to be playing on that first line for the remainder of this season and come playoff time? Or do you think he'll be moving down to a second, maybe third line? Obviously, the lines don't mean too much in the playoffs because you're going to have all your guys out there playing 100%. Hopefully, 100%. But uh, do you think Felino's going to be on the first line, or where do you think he's going to be? And also, what do you just think of his overall play as a Maple Leaf so far through, I believe it's two games? Well, I'll admit it. When I, I think it was uh, three episodes, I think it was, whenever we did the trade deadline podcast, uh, I personally thought Nick Felino was going to be more of a uh, depth piece for the Leafs, that they were going to use him on either a third line or maybe even a second line. But obviously, that was before the injury to Hyman. I think he's working really well on the first line because he does actually bring a lot of qualities that are Hyman-esque. Um, he's really good at winning puck battles down low. He's got good hands in tight. Uh, he's not the quickest pe- player, like Iboni said, but he has a really good hockey IQ, and he's able to make smart plays. I think uh, when everyone was talking about the accusation of Felino to the Leafs, the thing they really missed out on is how great of an actual person he is. I think they've talked about this Leafs being a really close-knit group, and I think Nick Foligno will only 
help the team more in that sense. Yeah, and he's definitely been a uh, making an immediate impact with this uh, Maple Leafs team. And uh, he's really stepped up for, obviously, just coming on this team, he's really stepped up for the guys who have been plagued by injuries. Now, injuries has just swarmed this Maple Leafs squad. Uh, you look at a guys like Zach Bogosian, had at least four weeks of a shoulder injury that he uh, sustained following an ugly crash into the boards in his, uh, in his side's goose egg against the Canucks earlier this week. And you look at Hyman, out at least a pair of weeks with a strained MCL, uh, following a hit from Alex Ether that handed him a uh, two-game suspension. And rightfully so. It was a pretty uh, ugly and kind of dirty knee-on-knee hit. And he uh, kind of got what he deserved, and he had no complaints with it either. But uh, stepping into the lineup, Rasmus Sandin and Adam Brooks. Now, Robertson is likely not going to play, and he was he was speculated to become – uh, he was speculated to slot into that lineup, that third bottom six role. Uh, but not many people knew that he is uh, he's on his still on his entry level contract, and he only has one game remaining on that entry level contract. And I believe this applies to playoffs as well. But uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing Nate Robertson play another game this season with the Maple Leafs, not because he hasn't performed, but simply because the cap and with the the situation Leafs are in right now in respect in respect to money. It simply won't work out, and I don't think there's really an immediate need for Nick Robertson. But uh, we talked about this last week, uh, adversary adversary in the playoffs, and who will step up? Uh, ben Hutton isn't ready just yet. Uh, this giving Sandine some much more valuable time on the squad, and even the top power play. I believe he broke onto the top power play uh, in last night's 4-1 win over the Jets and got some time on that line. Brooks has slid perfectly in a bottom six role and has found his strength in creating place for the guys around him. Now, uh, there's been an abundance of guys. We could even include Nick Felino in this context, uh, stepping up for this Maple Leafs team. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Aiden. Who has caught your eye uh, through this, I guess you could say a week since these guys went down uh, earlier last week, but uh, who has caught your eye uh, this week for the Maple Leafs that has stepped up the most uh, and has just been uh, for a Maple Leaf set who's been beaten up uh, all of this year. Uh, and will this adversary uh, prepare them for the playoffs? So kind of who stepped up for you, Aiden? And uh, how will this prepare the Maple Leafs t- for uh, the uh, playoffs? Uh, for me, it's got to be the captain, John Tobias. I think even before the injuries, since just the – he's just been on fire offensively. He's been scoring the goals really – firing in all cylinders and really fueling the offense. And when he's not scoring, he's getting assists too. And I just looked it up. He's actually got four back-to-back-to-back-to-back two-point games just previously. So obviously he's been producing really well. I think another guy who came into the lineup recently was Rasmus Sandin. I really like how he's been playing. He got an assist the other night for just a simple breakout pass, but just a smart play by him. I think the hit on Wheeler – I definitely was not expecting, and I just looked up their weights. He's actually 50 pounds less than Wheeler, so I'm not really sure how he put that much force in him to knock him out like that, but if we can see more of that physical presence from him, I think that'll just add another layer to his game, which we've never seen before. Yeah, and the physical element would definitely increase his uh, his stock with this team and uh, his value with this squad and how much he's going to be playing in the future. And uh, it, it's on and off with how many how the Leafs fans general view, how they uh, made out with this pick with Rasmus Sandin. Obviously, he's a young defenseman. The Leafs have given him a lot of time to develop in the uh, Marlies organization. I believe he won a uh, Calder Cup 
with the Marlies in, in uh, I want to say 2017, 2016. I'm not too sure when they won the cup there, but uh, he's definitely had success with the Marlies. And uh, from a Leafs standpoint, we're hoping for, to see success uh, on the big stage as well. And you mentioned John Tavares stepping up. Uh, he's always been there, which is quite uh, strange. Uh, but right now in the month of April, 16 goal, uh, 16 points rather. It'd be crazy, 16 goals. 16 points in his last 11 games is ridiculous numbers from John Tavares for a guy at his age and reaching the tail end of his uh, prime. But uh, he's done it in New York when he was in his prime, and he's now kind of bringing it back at the right time for uh, in this time of his career. So he's definitely stepped up the most. I'm going to turn this one over to you, Iboni. Uh, with injuries like Bogosian out and Zach Hyman out, who do you think has stepped up the most for this Maple Leafs team? And as uh, how does this adversary uh, play in respect to the Maple Leafs playoff folks? Uh, I'm going to go for a hidden gem. Uh, Justin Hall has definitely stepped up. Uh, he's playing on the pair with Muzzin. He's not getting much power play time, but his penalty kill has been immaculate for this team. He's been absolutely unreal on the penalty kill, and he's got points in, back, uh, in three consecutive games, uh, all assists in these uh, string of Pretty decent games for the Leafs as they won um, their last two, and then they ended up losing that um, the one three game uh, two games ago. They lost that one, but he's been looking good in every single game that he's been playing. I don't see a whole lot of errors that he's been making. His game has been fairly solid uh, on the shutdown pair with Muzzin. Uh, granted, they did have that one fairly game, but um, in that game, Justin Hall didn't look like an issue. Uh, it was more of the team around him that was kind of struggling a little bit, uh, more so the goaltending. Uh, Justin Hall, though, has stepped up, uh, getting a little bit more physical, I've noticed. Uh, definitely getting some point production in there as well, uh, shooting the puck on the point, getting those passes on, uh, being efficient on the penalty kill so that our power play, which has been pretty bad, if you hadn't noticed already, uh, it makes up for that absence of our power play by having that amazing penalty kill uh, that the Leafs possess, and Justin Hall is a major factor in that, and that's why he's stepping up for this Leafs team by being this defensive presence who also has put up points in three consecutive games, which is crucial for the Leafs, beneficial for the Leafs in order to win these games. Yeah, and using the words pretty bad to describe the Leafs' power play wouldn't do as much justice as we think, but uh, you're definitely close to it. Uh, the Leafs' power play has been really ugly for the past, I'd say, month or so. Like, it's, it's, it's been really – I don't think I've ever seen a team have this bad of a power play talked about, simply because they found ways to win games. Uh, but you look at the penalty kill, and Justin Hall has played a huge role uh, with, uh, on that perspective there. And uh, he's – He's had a bit of a weird year. He started off, and we were kind of joking around, Hall for Norris, Hall for Norris. And uh, he was definitely a more, way more improved than he was in years past with his Maple Leafs team. And then you sort of hit the middle of the year, kind of, kind of hitting a plateau, uh, staying a little – he's playing his good defensive game, and he's not producing as much on the offensive side. And then more recently, he hasn't played too good defensively, but he's sort of really picked it up in different aspects of the game. And that's something you want to see out of every player – growing out different aspects of your game throughout the year. Like you said, he's become a lot more physical, and now he's really taken ownership of that penalty kill specialist. And uh, you can't have a, uh, enough of those if you're any team in this league. So good on Justin Hall. I think he has been kind of a wild card for stepping up for these injured players. So obviously getting a lot more ice time with the absence of uh, Zach Bogosian. But uh, it'll be very interesting to see how he can keep this up. And maybe if his uh, 
offensive play can continue. I believe you mentioned he has three straight games with a point. So yep. uh, that'll be crucial for the Maple Leafs uh, come this time. But uh, what's going to be making a big impact come the near future is the Montreal Canadiens. Now, Montreal's picked up just two wins in the last seven games, uh, coming off back-to-back losses, ugly losses at that to the Calgary Flames, and they're holding on. And I really want to stress this word, holding on, to the fourth-place spot in this North division. Uh, They have five wins in their last seven uh, in respect to the Calgary Flames, and uh, they're just four points out with one more game played. Uh, The Habs are without Price, Duren, Gallagher, and so many other pieces, and uh, they're really showing an inability to rally through this adversary. And uh, fingers crossed from a least perspective, obviously, we don't want to see Carey Price uh, donning a Montreal Canadiens uniform come round one if they so choose to play that round and if they're even eligible to play that round with the streaking hot flames uh, right on their tail. Uh, are the Canadians, I'm going to start with you, uh, Iaboni, are the Canadians in deep trouble with chasing, uh, with the chasing flames who have caught fire at the most opportune time? And is the panic button in Montreal, uh, is the case on that panic button open, dust is off, and are we ready to push it just yet? Or should we hold off? What do you think? Um, I, I don't know if it was my hot take, but I definitely said it. I said that the Flames were going to make the playoffs and take Montreal, uh, Montreal's spot. Uh, not sure when I said it. I'd have to go back and look at it. I'm not sure if it's a hot take or not. But um, I think the Flames are still going to take their spot. Uh, they're four points back, and I think they still have one more game to play against the Habs. If they take that game, it's crucial, and then they're only two points back. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, losers of two straight, and they're three and seven in their last ten. Yikes. Absence of some key players. Uh, just name two. I, I only know two off the top of my head. Drew in and Price um, are absent on this Montreal Canadiens team. Uh, pretty big contributors for this team, although Price has had a very uh, struggling year. He's a good goalie, nonetheless. Uh, he's definitely going to be better than a Caden Primu. Uh, you you want that goaltender on your team. You want Carey Price on your team. And missing him from that lineup allows Calgary to see this opportunity to fight, to battle, to get these wins and grind it out. And they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10, so it's not uh, amazing. But they're starting to get their wins up as they're winners of two straight. And they're looking to keep this hot streak, this little hot streak, alive. Uh, they have one more series against uh, one more game against Montreal. I think they play the Canadians. Uh, sorry, the Canucks a couple times, and they definitely play the Senators. Uh, actually, I don't know if I'm right about that. But they definitely play the Canucks, and I believe that the Flames can beat the Canucks a couple times, uh, as they are um, a decent team in this league. They're not amazing, but I I see opportunity for the Flames to recoup points and jump over the Montreal Canadiens in the NHL standings. Yeah, they got to be darn near perfect. But uh, I love that you picked the second hot take in this one. Uh, I've never seen this one before, but i love to hear more of it. But uh, yeah, the, the the Calgary Flames have to be darn near perfect, and they got to win the games that they, that they are supposed to win. Uh, I don't know if they play the Ottawa Senators, but they use, you mentioned they do play the Vancouver Canucks, and that's going to be a crucial series. And even more crucial than that, tomorrow's night, tomorrow night's contest against the Montreal Canadiens, the final game of the three-game series. Uh, and that's what it's going to come down to. Those are big points that you have to pick up. If you get a sweep in Montreal, uh, you, things are looking bright in uh, Calgary. And uh, this thing about the Montreal Canadiens and that they just can't rally through guys being out of the lineup. Now, the Leafs have had their trouble with injuries. We all know that, and it's continuing 
it's continuous right now. But the Maple Leafs have won a lot of games in the absence of their star player like Austin Matthews, uh, goaltending like Frederick Anderson, Jack Campbell. Uh, they're getting uh, they're getting they're getting guys to step up from every single angle. And I think that's something that the Habs are going to need quite soon if they want to hold on to that fourth place spot. But I'm going to turn this one over to you, Aiden. Do you think the Canadians are in deep trouble with the flames on their tail? And is it time to hit the panic button in Montreal? Uh, I think the Canadians are definitely in deep, deep trouble with the Flames right behind them, looking for a late push in the season. I think they've really relied on their top guys to score recently because uh, I every time I look at the score app and check the updates, I think it's always to Foley who's putting the puck in the net for them. I think it's really starting to hurt them. They lost four at the last five games. I think I talked about this week one of the podcast. It was that the Habs don't really have any superstars on their team. They really rely on depth scoring from all the guys. So when guys aren't firing, you really have to rely on some people. And if those guys aren't firing, then who are you going to rely on? So they don't really have scoring. They have to really play a more defensive game. But recently they've been pretty lackluster defensively, and their goaltending has not helped them either. So they just seem to be dropping games left, front, and center. In terms of the Flames... I think their problem was clearly goaltending and their guys not showing up, their superstars, like Johnny Goudreau. Uh, recently, he's been playing very well, uh, putting the pucks in the net, specifically against Montreal, two games last night, I think it was. And their goaltending has been a struggle for them through this year too. But Jacob Markstrom has been their bona fide starter since they traded David Riddick, and he's actually won five of their last seven. So he seems to be on a roll, which is definitely helping them for this late season push. Yeah, and Aiden, the Flames are a lot like uh, you and MLB The Show. Uh, they always kind of put the pressure on when they're down to the last two outs, or the last stretch of the season, rather. Uh, so uh, definitely something to be keep your eye on if you're any hockey fan, really. The Flames trying to make a late push against the Montreal Canadiens. You could kind of throw your hat, the Vancouver Canucks hat in the ring, but that's much more of a stretch. It's just been, it's been a horrible year for the Canucks, both on and off the ice. But the Calgary Flames need to ride this hot goaltending from Jacob Markstrom and stay healthy is the big part. Because if they can stay healthy and the Montreal Canadiens, who have really failed to get any sort of scoring out of their bottom six guys, and most of their guys on their team do look like top uh, six, bottom six guys. Uh, with Tyler Toffoli holding most of the workload, this ain't going to last for this Canadiens team. And uh, this is something that the... Calgary fans really have to pounce on if they want to make any sort of push in the playoffs. But uh, a team that has made the playoffs and has really clinched, uh, the Minnesota Wild, they have struck gold in their rookie, Krill the Thrill Kaprizov, who has just torched the opposition and missed the team's seven-game win streak. The Wild became the third team to clinch the Stanley Cup playoffs last night following a win against the Sharks, who have been, I believe, losers of nine straight or something like that. It has been really ugly in San Jose, but uh, I don't think I'm ever going to want to dedicate a show to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, and I'm not going to start today. But the offense has been on full display. Uh, Three-goal leads has been the really uh, key thing that you could look at. If you look at all the score lines from the uh, Minnesota Wild over their seven-game stretch of wins, uh, you'll notice that they have commanding three-goal leads over their opposition. And uh, they sit just a point out from the second-place Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Fiala, seven points in as many. Zuccarello, same thing, seven points in as many games. And Krill the Thrill, seven points in as many games and has really stepped up as a rookie. 
And I believe he's 24 years old or something like that. So a bit of a late time to make your rookie push, but he's doing exceptional work with the Minnesota Wild. And uh, I want to ask you this question, Aiden, because I was really hoping to get your feedback on this one. Uh, As we all know, if uh, you look into the context of the Minnesota Wild, they're usually a, a playoff team, right? Always finding ways to finish at the top of the table uh, in each season. If you, if you uh, I think, look over at it through a 10-year perspective here. Uh, the Minnesota Wild are probably in there, I'd say, six or seven years of that time, seven of the ten. Uh, but they don't really go far. They're, probably, they're known as the most mediocre uh, playoff team there is. They're not like the Leafs who go out... Get, find a bunch of first round exits, but they'll go a round or two and then just flat out not perform in that round and just go, go out. I don't I remember the last time they've been to a conference final, but I'm going to ask you this question. Are the wild, a dark horse team come the playoffs or uh, do you think there'll be a dominant, a uh, dominant uh, franchise throughout the uh, entirety of the NHL playoffs? Uh, where do you see the Minnesota wild shaping to be come the postseason? And uh, do you think the Stanley cup is heading south of the border to Minnesota. I think they'll definitely be a dark horse. I think teams are still underrating them. I think, like you said, uh, the Wild are usually known as a team that makes the playoffs and maybe goes out in the first or second round, rarely making it past that. I think this year with Kirill Kaprizov, they definitely got a steal with him. He was drafted in the fifth round, which I find is just unbelievable because this kid is just a highlight reel. Every night he's scoring Great goals. He's almost a point per game on a Minnesota team, which I was definitely not expecting to be anywhere near where they are this year, clinching before the Leafs even have. But I think definitely the uh, Minnesota Wild, they're definitely a dark horse. They have a lot of valuable pieces, which will help them in the playoffs. I mean, their goaltending tandem of Talbot and Kakinen has just been unreal this year. Their offense has been great. Their power play has been firing on all cylinders. I think they can definitely make a push this year. Yeah, and Aiden, um, Iboni, I'm going to turn this one over to you quickly as we're running a little short on time, but where do you see the Wild standing uh, come the playoff time? Obviously, they clinched their spot last night. Do you see them as a wild card team, dark horse team, making a, some uh, prevalent noise come the postseason? Or uh, do you think they're going to be the other on the other range of the spectrum, an absolute dominating force that uh, has the potential to uh, sort of upset the teams in this division, such as the Vegas Golden Knights and potentially the uh, Colorado Avalanche? Um, I have um, a rough estimate of, like, my playoff structure. I've already kind of formulated it a little bit. I just have to make a little bit of edits depending on how the final standings are, and I'm trying to go quick. Uh, I have the Wild actually beating the Avalanche as of right now because they would be playing in in the first-round playoff series. I have them actually beating the Avalanche in the first round and upsetting them. Uh, I do, however, have them losing – to um, in the second round to Vegas Golden Knights if they were to beat whoever team comes in fourth. Uh, I do believe the Vegas Golden Knights are going to win the first round. Um, if the Wild does play the Colorado Avalanche, I do believe that they will upset them. They are definitely dark horses. They can go deep. Uh, I just don't see them going this deep in a division with two elite teams in the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. I see them beating one, but it's going to be really, really hard to beat two and keep up that talent for multiple, multiple weeks. I just don't see them getting past round two, even though they are getting up there in in elite talent. Uh, They're just really riding hot streaks right now. And I mean, that's not anything to really um, hate. Riding hot streaks is definitely something that can benefit, and it has benefited other teams. But uh, if you crash and burn, 
as a franchise are screwed and you are not going to know what to do. Uh, I just feel like the, some of the inexperience, like uh, Kakanen, if he were to get in some games, um, some inexperience in the playoffs might lead the Minnesota Wilds to a second-round exit. I don't see them being a first-round exit. I see them beating whoever team that they're going to play in the first round. Yeah, and I see them as the Minnesota Wild. I'm going to make this brief as well. I see them as a team that's missing a, just a few more pieces that can really give them the edge against teams like those dominant forces that is the Vegas Gordon Knights. And I totally agree with you. They might have a chance of upsetting the Colorado Avalanche if they do ride up one of their hot streaks that they're so known to uh, present at the best time. But uh, I can see them going a couple rounds in this playoff series, in this uh, this year's playoffs. But I think they're missing a couple pieces, a uh, star player. And they do have the cap space to sign these kind of star players. And the goaltending is definitely going to be interesting come down, come the uh, playoff time as well. And uh, they did take a step forward from last year, taking a not even a first round exit. It was a play in exit to the Vancouver Canucks that really sparked and motivated their uh, run in that play in the last year's playoff bubble. But uh, definitely a step in the right direction for the Minnesota Wild. And uh, now we're going to quickly get into the uh, start bench cut. Uh, guys, I'm going to tell you, sugar, don't sugarcoat or anything. Give me a straight-up answer. I'm going to go with you, Aiden. Start bench cut. We're going to the uh, West Coast here, the Avalanche edition. Who do you start bench cut in game one of the uh, postseason here? Uh, McKinnon, who has 59 points this year. Rantanen, who has 52 points this year. Or Kale McCarr, defenseman, probably the top-line defenseman on that squad, who has 35 points this year. Aiden, I'll start with you. Who do you start bench and cut? All right, I'll get straight to the point here. I think I like the order you already had. Start McKinnon, uh, bench Rantanen, and uh, cut McCarr for now. I think in the future that might change. I mean, obviously McKinnon, he's this franchise player who really carries the team on his back. I think early on in the season we saw when he was injured or where he wasn't or when he wasn't playing to his full capability that we've seen in the past. The team was just losing game in and game out to the point where I think they might have actually been the fourth seed for a little bit. But I think definitely the team runs through McKinnon. And without McKinnon, the Avalanche are not nearly as strong. Uh, for Rantanen, I think he's definitely taken another step into his uh, into his progression. Um, he's definitely brought another level in his goal scoring this year. Uh, he's usually a guy who produces offensively, but gets a, pretty much an even amount of goals and assists somewhat. But I think this year he's just been scoring an insane amount of goals to the point where he's been uh, – compared to Matthews this year and uh, Ovechkin in the sense that he's just putting the puck in the net game in and game out. Uh, for Makar, I put him lowest on this list just in, just because he hasn't played enough games. He's been injured for a little bit, but still point-per-game defenseman. Obviously, he's the uh, power play quarterback for this team. Still extremely good. I think in the future, he might pass one of these guys as he's this is still only his second season in the NHL. But for right now, I think it's best to just put him at three. Hi, Boney. Over to you. All right, I'll make it quicker. Uh, McKinnon, you start and you bench uh, McCarr and you cut Rantanen. Uh, I just feel offensive defensemen are way more valuable than uh, a forward. I know that Rantanen has definitely been amazing, but McCarr has also been amazing. He's over a point per game. I think he has 35 and 33. Uh, Definitely had injuries this year, but... Um, quarterback in that power play. He's got such good edge work. He's super fast. I think he's the second fastest player on that team. Uh, he's an offensive defenseman, but he also can play defense, which is crucial. An offensive, an offensive defenseman who also plays defense is rare in this league, and you do not cut him. He is Victor Hedman-like. You do not cut that player. I kick out. I don't care. You play. You have him in your lineup. You kick out Renton, and who's your second or – maybe even third best uh, forward on that team. You need a defenseman uh, in that 
Carr is your best defenseman by far. Any quarterbacks that power play too, which is absolutely crucial in the success of the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, and I like both your answers, gentlemen. Uh, conflicting uh, answers there, there is. But uh, regardless, there is no wrong answers in this se- in this series. A start bench cut, uh, and yeah, the Colorado Avalanche are an extremely offensive team. And uh, whoever you're starting on this squad, uh, I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference with this team. Uh, we're going to move into our hot takes segment of the show, the most anticipated segment of the show, and we're going to start with. I'm going to go with. Uh, let's start with. Michael Iaboni, what do you have in store? And don't rush. we got some time here. Uh, what do you have in store for our hot take segment here? Uh, my screen is just lagging a little bit, but I'll get going because I have a little bit on top of my head. Uh, John Tortorella, coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have lost eight straight, by the way, will resign in Columbus. Uh, I think it's going to be a two-year deal, maybe even a one-year deal, just a little trial run. Uh, but this coach, John Tortorella, uh, he's known to be a, a, a hard-ass uh, definitely gets his players to perform how he wants them to perform. Uh, but way more defensive game than an offensive game, which is uh, important for an NHL team. Definitely important. But you need to make sure that defensive structure stays. Um, they instituted John Tortorella in 2014. Sorry, my note's still loading. Uh, I think it's 2014, but it might be 2016 as well. Um Either way, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, he instituted this plan. Uh, uh, he joined in the 2015-16 season. Um, he instituted this plan that the Columbus Blue Jackets are following. And if you fire coach John Tortorella and don't resign him, it just doesn't make sense. Because you have this whole plan intact. In if you get rid of the man who initiated this plan to make his team defensive, what do you have? You have no identity. You have nothing. You just have players that are playing and no one to lead them how they're supposed to be led. You have a team, you have a core. They're not performing this year, yes. But that's also in a sense that um, he's pushing too far on some players like a Patrick Laine and even a Jack Roslovic, I would argue. Uh, You need to let the players play a little bit more who they are because you definitely can't change everyone, but you can change some people. And that's been proven with Dubois. He's been proven to be a little bit more of a defensive forward, uh, but he does have his points as well, which is huge. That's why he was huge on the Blue Jackets. Um, however, he did want to be traded. Unfortunately, uh, that led to some bad news for the Blue Jackets as they got Patrick Liney, who is not very flexible. Uh, John Tortorella, since joining the Blue Jackets, he has a 209 wins, 140 losses, and 42 overtime losses, which is pretty re- unreal for the uh, Blue Jackets coach. Uh, he had four consecutive playoff appearances and a Jack Adams award on his shelf. Um, uh, he is only making uh, $2.5 million as a coach, which is fairly low, as the Leafs were paying Mike Babcock $5 million uh, prior to Sheldon Keefe. So it's not like it's coming out uh, money-wise. It's not going to be like too, too bad for the franchise as a whole. Um, but having this coach lead your identity is huge. You cannot just scrap him off to the side. That's why I think that they're going to resign him, even though the team has had um, very much sloppy uh, performance in front of him. You can't just ditch on your entire plans just because of one bad season. You get a good draft pick, get your head back in there. Let's go get him back next season, John. Yeah, and I don't think uh, I remember a time without John Tortorella in the league. He's obviously the most colorful, uh, most colorful of head coaches, and he's definitely a treat to uh, hear in his post game pressers. Uh, and yeah, it's, it wouldn't be too fair to John Tortorella, who's built so much success with this squad. Uh, in years prior, like you mentioned, he's a winner of the Jack Adams Award. And his record, 
just goes to testify to how successful he's been in Columbus. And uh, I don't think there's any better replacement uh, on the NHL market for John Tortorella and who would suit this identity of the squad. Uh, a rebuild may be uh, something we will be seeing uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Obviously, losers of, I believe you said, eight straight or nine straight, something eight. like that. Eight straight. And uh, it's just been an ugly season for them. They've been losing pieces in the past. You look at a guy as far back as Panarin, Brabovsky, and I think you're going to be losing maybe a couple more pieces. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Lion A go somewhere else. Uh, there's been a lot of tension. The one thing I would want to point out is that there's a lot of tension between John Torrell and some of his players. And uh, I think this is something that motivates a lot of their players. And a lot of different players uh, respond to different sorts of criticism, whether it be public or uh, private criticism. But uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see in the offseason which way the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets as a franchise go with John Tortorella. And only time will tell if this hot take makes sense. And hopefully we'll be talking about it later in the year uh, post-playoffs. Now, Aiden, I'm going to turn this one over to you. What do you have in store for our hot take? And uh, let's see if you can keep up your wizard uh, skills for the upcoming stretch of this season. Well, I choose. I chose more of a hotter take this week. Um, I did what Ivoni usually does and dropped a spicy little pepper for you guys. So my hot take is: after their horrid start to the season, the Vancouver Canucks bounce back and make the Stanley Cup playoffs. So just to look at the Scotia North Division, uh, we got fourth seed Montreal Canadiens coming in with forty-nine points, and they have five games in hand on the Canucks. As they as they've played 46 games and the Canucks have played 41. And if you look at the fifth seed, Calgary Flames, they have 45 points with actually six games in hand on the Canucks as they've played 47 games. And if you look at the Vancouver Canucks, they have 41 points and they've actually won three out of their four game, last four games, which I'm actually just very surprised about considering I thought they were going to come out completely flat out of quarantine. But I guess not. So, mathematically, the Canucks would have to win five straight games to pass the Habs for fourth in the division and that final playoff spot. But even before that, the Canucks would have to win three just to pass the Flames for fifth in the division. So, just to get into some key players and some key injuries for the Canucks and the Canadians, uh, obviously, a key injury for the Canucks is Elias Patterson. He's still without a timeline for return. And he could actually miss the remainder of the season, which would be a huge loss for the Canucks as he's their top center and a very valuable piece on their top power play. Uh, I think a key player for the, for the success going forward and right now has to be Braden Holpe. As the Canucks take more of a hit offensively with Pedersen out, Holpe and Demko are going to have to be a shutdown duo. And they're essentially going to have to win the Canucks almost every game down this last stretch of games. For the Canadians, uh, I think some key injuries have obviously been Price. Uh, currently, I think he has a concussion or he could be in concussion protocol, but he's still without a timeline. Uh, Gallagher, who I th- think he might have broke his thumb. I'm not exactly sure, but he's still out a few more weeks. And Tatar, who is day-to-day with a lower bi- lower body injury at the moment. So obviously, we see the list of injuries it goes much deeper for the Habs than the Canucks. I think going forward, some key players for the for the Habs, has, one of them has to be Eric Stahl. I have, we talked about this move uh, before, and I still think it was a really good move by uh, Bergevin just because of the, uh, the depth that he can play almost all the lines. But 
and that he's been known to be a scorer previously. But I think since coming to Montreal, he's only had two points and he's been minus in almost all of his games. So I think they definitely need him to step up badly. And another guy who's definitely going to be key to their success is Jake Allen. Since Price is injured, he's most likely going to be playing most of the games. And he had a pretty good start to the season, but since then he's been on and off. And I think they'll definitely need him to be lights out going forward. Yeah, and uh, I think you've taken ownership of Iboni's name. Uh, that is an extremely spicy hot take, but uh, there's going to have to be a lot of things that have to go right for this Canucks team who have to be, we say the Calgary Flames have to be nearly perfect. I think the Vancouver Canucks have to kind of be perfect or very, very close to being perfect to make to have any shot at the playoffs. But uh, it is hockey. Anything can happen in, anything can happen in hockey, right? Aiden, Aiden, mm-hmm. I will lick my shoe if this comes true. I okay. do not think that it's going um, to come true. I think we should. I do not think that it's going to come true. Kind of a strange proposition, but I guess you can do that if it's you like. It's the first thing that I thought of. Uh, I do not think it's coming true. Like no, I, it's too much. They need to win almost every single game. And yeah, well, like I said, yes, it is it's, a hot thing. spicy meatball. It'll be hard for them to do, but it is mathematically possible. It is mathematically possible. Spicy meatball. Continue. Yes. The only reason I say this because because of how well they've played since coming out of quarantine. Yeah, fair. Fair. When stats and the eye test conflict each other, it's just a different (laughs) set of argument. But uh, I'm going to move on to my hot take here, and it's maybe a more so uh, Leafs perspective hot take. Uh, After all, it is the Leafs line podcast. But uh, just uh, to give the viewers some – this is going to be whether you like it or not. It's going to be a musical chairs offseason for Kyle Dubas. Uh, you got, he has guys to sign like Zach Hyman, uh, Alex Galchenyuk's a UFA, Wayne Simmons is a UFA, Jumbo Joe Thornton's a UFA, Jason Spets is a UFA, and also to add, Zach Wagosian is a UFA. So many, many of these pieces that have been so prevalent in the success of this team is going to be on the block. And uh, also this guy named Frederick Anderson and David Riddich are also going to be UFAs. And I do believe the, play- the playoffs will decide which way they'll go with these two goaltenders. Uh, but my hot take is this. Foligno resigns with the Maple Leafs. Uh, you can't complain with this hot take here. It's always good news for the Maple Leafs. And uh, I think uh, Nick Foligno is a, just a sentiment, and it's going to be a sentiment, a staple in, uh, Maple Leafs, in the Maple Leafs playoff run and the Maple Leafs as of right now. And uh, you can say I'm pulling the trigger a little early on this one, but he definitely suits the blue and white. I don't think anyone can argue. Uh, the Foligno name suits the uh, blue and white. Uh, and he brings so much energy to this team and sparks so much around him. And a deep playoff run will do two things. And this is one I want to stress. If the Maple Leafs go deep in a playoff run, on a playoff run, he will either have these two thoughts. Uh, it will convince him to stay. Uh, he may win a cup. I, as a Leafs fan, I will be running through the streets naked if he wins a cup with the Maple Leafs. So uh, if he wins a cup, I do believe why why not stay with a team that you already just won a championship with? And I believe it will be his first championship in his career. Uh, and if they don't, they, maybe they lose into the conference finals or the Stanley Cup finals. It keeps him hungry. And uh, he's even more hungrier for the cup. And he knows that a team like this can do it. And I do think Kyle Dubas will sign and find Because yeah, Kyle Dubas is really good at knowing where his team is at. And I think he will do a good job of keeping Felino as well as keeping some core guys, maybe a guy like Simmons and Spezza and Thornton, if they do produce like they sort of should be doing come playoff time. But as of right now, the, the Leafs are just shy of $1 million on the cap space. And they do have Fred, Frederick Anderson and Riley Nash on the LTIR. So uh, the math isn't in their favor, but I think the passion 
Uh, I think the passion uh, really motivates Dubas to make this move. And I do think with a deep playoff run, Nick Foligno is a Maple Leaf for next year. Now, Aiden, we uh, don't have too much time, but I'm going to give you this amount of time here to uh, take it away with your fantasy rankings for this. Uh, it's almost the final week, actually. We have to take this. I have to give you a new segment on this show with fantasy dwindling down to its final stretch of weeks. But uh, who do you have in store for our listeners weekly uh, weekly players that will benefit their team as I cannot listen to any more of your fantasy pickups as I am now eliminated from the playoffs. Thank you, Mr. Michael <laughs> Iaboni, for that one. But, but uh, Aiden, please proceed. All right. To start off, we've got Cody Cece, defenseman of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's got eight points in his last 10 games, and he's actually got 17 points on the season. And I think he's really been the solid two-way defenseman the Pens were looking for when they acquired him, which obviously we didn't really see in his time with the Leafs. But other than that, he's had very solid peripheral stats with 47 shots and 65 hits, which means he should be getting in the mix offensively by getting shots to the net. And he also lays the body quite frequently. So currently he is 11% owned on Yahoo and on ESPN. Next on the list, we have another defenseman, Alex Goligoski of the Arizona Coyotes. He has been on a tear recently with 12 points in his last 12 games and 17 points on the season, just like CeCe. He has also been a very solid producer on the power play, getting points on the second power play every few games. And from this production, he's actually been bumped up to the first power play. So definitely, he should be seeing more time on the man advantage. Uh, similar to CC and his peripherals in that he will provide you shot, solid shot volumes and a good amount of hits. Currently, he is 30% owned on Yahoo and 43% owned on ESPN. Next guy on this list, I've only got him before I could add him to my list. Nick Bonino of the Minnesota Wild. He has just been absolutely insane. He's brought his game to an entire another level recently. He's got 11 points in his last seven games. That's just crazy. Uh, he's looking to be a mainstay on the Minnesota top power plays. Not only is he contributing on it every so often, the power play around him has been extremely successful as well, even when he isn't on the score sheet. And not only has Benino been contributing on the man advantage, but he's also been great five on five as eight of those 11 points I just mentioned have come at even strength. Currently, he is 12% owned on Yahoo and 10% owned on ESPN. Last guy on this list, I was just talking about him uh, not too long ago, Braden Holby of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, not sure what happened to him, but he sure looked like the 2017 Stanley Cup winner and Vesna winning goaltender since the Canucks have restarted their season. Over the past week, he's had three wins, two amazing games against the Leafs, another, and another solid start against the Sens. Uh, in his three games, he had a 925-plus save percentage in each start. And I think just in saying that with Hopi playing the way he is, even though Demko was amazing before the uh, season stopped for the Canucks, I can't imagine the Canucks not riding the hot goaltender, at least for the next few games. And currently he's 41% owned on Yahoo and 42% owned on ESPN. All right. Thank you, Aiden, for this week's uh, segment of the Fantasy Rankings for the Lease Line Podcast, episode 11 of the Lease Line Podcast. And uh, 
finally to end off this show. It's been a long one, but uh, I'd like to thank uh, all our listeners for tuning in for this one. Uh, season's coming down to the final close, and it's going to be interesting for every single division uh, in the National Hockey League to see how this playoff picture uh, plays out. Uh, and again, thank you everyone for tuning in, and uh, have a great evening.